0: everything has to come down to my level. <laughs> Good, morning. Good morning. My name is Grace, and I have been a member of al for many, many years. In fact, in checking with Janet, uh, I've been in it longer than 21 years because we had a very, as she said, secretive group in East Aurora. Uh, i I was a little shocked at that expression, a secretive meeting. But I guess it's true, because there were three of us who met in my living room for the very first time at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. In fact, we called it that for a long time, Monday morning, 9 o'clock. And we were all there. And I'm not going to tell you what we studied, because you'd shuddered. We didn't have any... Al-Anon literature uh, we picked up anything as long as it looked spiritual and smelled spiritual we studied it but I like to think that we stayed in place long enough to grow before we came out and went public and the way we became public somebody moved from Cleveland to East Aurora and she called Central the central office and said, where will I go to a meeting in East Aurora? <laughs> he said, I can't tell you where, lady, but he said, there is a group. They're very, very anonymous. <laughs> I can't tell you where they meet or what their names are, but I'll give you a clue. Well, she... But what I didn't know, and what Janet said to me this morning, the rumor was all about Nice Drawer. It's a cozy place, and people get to know each other and what everybody's doing. So they all knew what we were doing. They all knew we had a pro- pro- problem long before we knew we were living with the problem. So uh, she, uh, Sally, came to us and she said, "How long have they been doing this?" Well, I think it was four or five years. In fact. I want you to know we did our teething on Norman Vincent Peale. And that's a far cry. Maybe it isn't a far cry from from Bill Wilson. But anyway, be that as it may, my journey in Al-Anon has been only a day at a time, just like yourself. It has been a step at a time. That's many, many days, because I'm an old-timer. What did you call it? A long-timer. When I first heard it, I thought they were saying a long-termer, and I thought, oh, my God. I thought, my God, that sounds like a prison sentence. And I don't think I've been in prison. I think I was taken out of prison and put in this. Well, anyway, it has been a wonderful adventure one that's not over yet, and you people have shared your strength and your hope and your experience with me for many, many hours, many, many years, and I'm grateful to you. I'm joyfully grateful to you, and today I'm happy to share my experience, strength, and hope with you. The joys of my journey is what I hope to speak of. As I began my journey, there was no joy. I was silent. I was lost. I was disillusioned. I had very little self-esteem. I considered myself a failure. I was angry, and I was fearful. The big book says that alcohol ism is cunning insidious and baffling it attacks not only its victims but the whole family his or hers the whole family is is attacked it is no respecter of persons it finds its victims in high places and low places the one I loved most in all the world became infected with this cunning, insidious, and baffling disease. As I watched it take over, I was powerless to stop it, and I was unable to understand it. Now, I had heard the term alcoholic. I remember asking a close friend, a medical man, if he thought I was an alcoholic. He was shocked at me. He said, do you know what you're talking about? Well, I thought I did, but he didn't. He said, do you know that an alcoholic is a bum? I know lots of them, and they're not and never were, never will be. But I didn't know that then. Didn't know that then. He said, they're derelicts, and they live in Skid Row and they drink like this." As he was bringing an imaginary glass or cup, whatever alcoholics drink out of, to his lips, he said, they're non-persons. Of course Art's not." He not. I can't imagine why you'd ever get such a thought like that. He said, they sometimes wind up in missions. They are very rarely saved. There's an alcoholic here. They must be laughing at this story. Of course, Art is not an alcoholic. He just doesn't know how to drink. Well, I knew that. I also knew in my heart that he never was going to learn to drink. The doctor's words were to haunt me for a long time. Later, I was to learn about the compulsion and the progression of the disease. At this time in God's plan, about this time, A.A. came to Buffalo. And at this time in God's plan, we, Art and I, and our family were included in his plan. It was Christmas time again. Why is Christmas the loneliest and worst time for alcoholics and their families. That Christmas was our worst. All the trappings of Christmas were there to be sure, but the pain and the suffering and the tension were barely covered by the tinsel and the gifts. It must have been a terrible time for my husband. During the week, Art said he would call AA, Like yourself, I'd heard it before. I was skeptical. But he did call, and he did make an appointment, and he did talk to a wonderful man whom I'll always love, and I can mention his name because he's gone. He's registered in heaven now. His name was Harry Harrington. And when Art came home the next evening, I couldn't believe my own eyes for the stars in his eyes. What a transformation. There was hope, and we were on our way. Now, it just so happened that AA was celebrating New Year's Eve with a big party, a wonderful party, and we were invited. Would I go? Would I? I would go any place. I would do anything, anyhow it needed to be done. I, I was ready. I saw the new light in my husband's eyes, and I that was a miracle, and I wanted it to stay. Now, New Year's Eve was typical, you know, buffalo, sleet, and icy roads. We'd, we'd often gone out to New Year's Eve parties that weren't such worthy things. And it was even worse weather. So we made our way, and we found ourselves in a place called Joyland. Doesn't that fit into my story? <laughs> a place called Joyland, on the second floor in a building next to Shay's Theater in downtown Buffalo. Fleetingly, I thought, as we were mounting the stairs, a New Year's Eve party, with the, and they won't be drinking? There's gotta be something wrong here. Is that possible? But from the second floor, behind those doors, came such joyful sounds. I knew it was possible. It actually was happening. And when the doors opened and I saw the sight before me, I, I couldn't believe my eyes again. There were streamers and balloons, funny hats. Alcoholics are very funny people sometimes. Funny hats and noise ma- makers. There was an orchestra, a live orchestra playing dance music. Husbands and wives were sitting together. I hadn't seen that in places where I was, and I hadn't been to many places either socially, but I hadn't seen that in a long time. They were having so much fun and dancing, I thought, they got to be drinking but they weren't. And on the way to our table, I saw many couples that we hadn't seen around lately. They had made the program before we had. During, I couldn't believe they were even enjoying one another, but they were. During the evening, our dear friend Bill B. thought the orchestra was slipping a little bit. They weren't playing as fast as he thought they should. To my amazement... He set out and got a bottle for them. Again, my eyebrows went up. But I said, what a wonderful thing to do. There's, it was so natural, and it was full of such goodwill. I had another insight to the people that I was going to be living with and working with. I thought, they're not do-gooders. They're just great people. That was our first open A.A. meeting in a place called Joyland. If I don't keep track of myself, we'll be here all day, so I have pages to keep me in track. I joined the Central Park group. He attended many closed meetings. Together, we attended open Saturday night meetings. I will always be grateful for those open meetings. I learned a great deal about life, the alcoholic, and the disease. I was able to help Art in his 12-step work. People in the program came and went at our house. A few even dried out there. That was an experience. We thought the children didn't know anything about it. But the children are always away way ahead of their parents anyway. They knew and secretly were making friends with the people behind closed doors that we didn't know about. One named John, who had been a professor of English, was in the way in the back room, and all we said to the kids was, uh, very sick man needs quiet, so try to be careful when you're going to bed. Don't make too much noise. Well, when John finally emerged from his cocoon and came down and joined the family for dinner... They knew him because John had chocolate cherries in his room. And he would stick the chocolate cherries out to them. So he nourished them on chocolate cherries and their friendship grew. All the happy, amusing, tragic, and miraculous things about AA were there. The unbelievable was believable. And life was good and rich, and fulfilling, without alcohol. Some very funny things happened. One night we were asked to pick up a woman and take her to an open meeting. When we arrived, we literally picked her up because she was under the influence, smashed in fact. So we decided to take her to a diner and get her a cup of coffee and see if we could sober her up enough so that she could walk into the meeting now she kept looking at me and then she would look at art something wasn't right in her mind i hope it was the alcohol something wasn't fitting with the two of us she saw my hair i've had hair i think since i was in the cradle that's white but a long time i've had white hair so she's looking at my white hair And she's looking at art and she's thinking pretty nice and art was pretty nice so she's teetering on her stool and she said to me why did you have to bring your mother with you (laughs) well that was a bad scene and I like to think that I earned a few stripes that night (laughs) but as the years went on I became restless. Something was missing. I participated as much as I could in arts program. Arts program. I tried to apply the steps to my life, but it wasn't working. I even said, and and listen hard to this one, I even said, I wish I had the problem. The program is certainly worth the price. That was very bad thinking. Besides, eventually, I would find my own program complete with steps and all. The problem was I had very little self-knowledge. Perhaps I was content to close the door on those unhappy drinking days, years, and their terrible effect on me, I believe secretly it was my fault anyway and if I looked at it too closely this would be confirmed. So I decided to let well enough alone and to push down those dark memories of frustrations, humiliations, you know what I'm talking about, disappointments resentments, anger, fear, and that awful nameless guilt that pervaded the whole thing, our whole existence. Sobriety is enough, I said to myself. I'll settle for sobriety. All is forgiven and forgotten. Not so. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Eventually, those memories will surface. They will come in different forms, but always in destructive ways, and they have to be dealt with. About this time, alcohol was getting started in Buffalo. I went to a few meetings. I couldn't bear them, so I quit. I heard things I didn't want to hear. I had shut the door on that part of my life. But like Fibber McGee's closet, that door would open unexpectedly and those memories would tumble out. I was not ready to look at myself. Besides, I rationalized. Lifestyles change. Pink clouds fade. I certainly didn't, and I was very busy with a family of seven, a lively family of seven. Very busy indeed. I certainly didn't need my delicately arranged balance upset by hearing sad stories. But there were times when I should have been happy and I wasn't. There were rough times and I was not getting through them as well as I should. And there was no alcohol to blame it on. Now here is a basic truth. The AAR, as well as the Alaner, who lives the program, is a hard person to follow, to keep up with. My growth had not kept up with arts, and I was out of step. So I went back to Eleanor, and this time I listened. Oh, how I listened. I happened to be found in a place called Williamsville, which is Janet's home base, and I was one of the silent group who sat there weeks on end without opening my mouth. If I had a question to ask, I would write it out, tug on my friend Kathy's sleeve, Flip her the note and she would ask ask the question for me. My own group won't believe that I was so quiet, (laughs) they know me differently. I learned a great deal in Williamsville. I learned that a life not examined is not worth living. I began to examine my life in the light of the Twelve Steps. I practiced living a day at a time. I leaned on the slogans. I said the serenity prayer over and over and over. For the first time, I heard the steps as they pertained to me. And I began to practice these wonderful twelve steps as they pertained to me.
1: All those
0: wonderful, wonderful steps. Step one is just what it says. It's the place to begin, the step to be taken first. Admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Why did I have to admit that, my inner self is saying to me? What did that have to do with me? And the answer came, everything, just simply everything. Before art sobriety, I had fought alcohol hard. Now in his sobriety, I'm fighting it twice as hard. By controlling my behavior, I actually thought I was keeping my husband sober. During those first years of his beautiful sobriety, that cunning, insidious, baffling disease was prompting me be careful now. Don't make waves. Watch your step. Keep the mask up. Watch your reactions. Don't be yourself. Be anybody. Even be nobody. But for sobriety's sake, don't be yourself. That's where the trouble started anyway. Etc, etc. etc, etc. I let go through the grace of God, and I let God. What a great liberation to put that burden down and to begin the search for myself, to find myself, to know myself, and to be myself. Step two came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. That promised clear thinking, clear, sane thinking, and I could have it for the asking, so I asked, and it came. Not always there, so I have to ask again, and I ask frequently. On the third step, made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the power of God as I understood him. I thought I had done this often, But on my new search for myself, this step was very, very different. It could not just come off my lips. It had to come from deep down inside of me where I lived. It had to be taken alone with God. It was just between me and God. Everything, turn over everything, all areas of my life, God, everything. Everything, God? Everything. But there won't be anything left of me. There won't be anything for me to hang on to. Everything. I did not take that step lightly, but I want you to know I took it. And often since then, I've had to take it too. But we live a day at a time, so I'm privileged to take it every day. Every day, even if I flop, I can take it the next day. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. Step four is hard. It will always have to be a perpetual step for me. I had put the all of me on the line with my Lord, including the great load I spoke of earlier before I dealt with al or should I say before al dealt with me. From somewhere the thought, the intuition, the inspiration came to me, you expect more of yourself than God does. May I illustrate this with a story? It is like the man on the road, bone tired and weary with the heavy load on his back, who accepted a ride from a kindly farmer. He got into the truck But he did not put his load down. The farmer said, put down your load. The man thanked him and said, no, you have done enough for me. There are no limits to what my higher power will do for me when I trust him. It happens often with this fourth step. Things I have done, resentments I have buried, no matter how far back, From time to time, these surface up easily and gently. And at that time, I am able to forgive and ask for forgiveness. My prayer is, Lord, in remembering, I forgive. And in forgiving, I am forgiven. Steps 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 are natural follow-ups of step four. To me, they are the practicing steps. To know myself, I need to practice them faithfully, just as we practice the musical scales to make beautiful music. The joyful music of Al-Anon comes to me in those glorious steps, the 11th and the 12th sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will and the courage or the power to carry it out. Every morning I pray. Every morning I pray for direction and guidance. Believe me, I did this morning. I really did. I pray for an open mind to receive it, and I pray for courage to last me through the day so that I will be able to carry out what I should do and not to make too many, many mistakes. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. You know, often I used to wonder how about a spiritual experience, not experience, awakening. How long would I have to wait before this happened to me? Have I ever had one? And as the step says, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, I thought, that's what it says, but I don't think it's happened to me. There has never been any dramatic evidence of this, no bells, no stars, no burst of light. But there have been many times in my Al-Anon journey when I am aware of a definite influence, an insight, a shaft of light directed on a difficult situation. These are very real, sometimes gentle, sometimes startling. Certainly nothing I can take credit for, but I know they have, they haven't. Once I was in an art gallery where a group of very young children, guided by their teacher, were enjoying art through their senses, those wonderful gifts we all have, sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. I trailed after them, fascinated by their responses. When the teacher asked, how many senses do we have, the group piped up five, five But one very little boy said no, 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 he said, pointing, when something away out there tells us something in here, that's another sense, that's a special sense. A great sense of awareness flooded me. I no longer question whether I have spiritual awakenings or not. There have been many to help me on the way in my journey in Al-Anon. As for carrying the message, I don't question. There are lots of people who need it, and I love it so that it probably falls off me as I walk by, I don't know. I no longer question that about carrying the message. I just do it. Al-Anon is a way of life I cherish. It is a joy to share it.
1: Often I am asked,
0: why do I still go to Al-Anon meetings? You know, at your age, you should be home in a chair or something. (laughs) No, I will tell you simply, it's gratitude. That's what I tell them. But to you, I will tell you, It is joyful gratitude. It is a program that guarantees me quality of life. Instant friendship wherever I meet you. A program that helps me and lets others, let me help others. A program for all seasons, all ages, lived a day at a time, day after day after day after day. Finally, it's a program that has blessed me with a very joyful heart. Thank you.